your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one, yeah, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Sports Nightly, for about 90 minutes tonight. We're going to lead you right into Husker Volleyball as they get set to have a home match with the Northwestern Wildcats, 8 o'clock tonight. Pre-game coverage with John Baylor and Lauren Cook-West coming up at 7.30. About 90 minutes of us tonight talking about Husker sports. Here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. Head football coach Scott Frost met with the media today after their practice session. This is a change from the first bye week. Nebraska was – no coaches were available during the first bye week, but this bye week they did make the head coach available earlier today. We'll have his comments coming up here in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, we'll have our Big Ten Blitz. Check in with what's going to be happening this weekend in Iowa and Minnesota. A couple big matchups involving Big Ten West teams. We'll hear from reporters in both Iowa and and Minnesota. And we'll give you a chance before we sign off tonight to be a winner with our Big Red Replay with a clip from the Purdue game over the weekend. If you can be the first person to call in and identify that clip, we'll make you a winner courtesy of the Nebraska Lottery. And phone lines open for you throughout the next 90 minutes as well at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Before we dive into some football chatter, Ben, let's, let's look back at last night, a, a disappointing opener. For Fred Hoiberg and the Cornhusker basketball team, uh, that group went ice cold at one point, only made three of 20 shots in the game, and Nebraska drops the first game of the 2019-2020 season to UC Riverside, 66-47. to You were with this team in Italy, got to see them play those four exhibition games, and you were you were sounding some warning shots out there to people that – there would be stretches, there would be games where you scratch your head about this team, and but there'll also be moments where they they do some really good things. Well, last night was one of those head-scratching 40 minutes of basketball. Yeah, I definitely think it was a reality check, you know, for this team and, and these players that, you know, this isn't necessarily going to be uh, the Italian-level competition. And I know the coaches probably warned them of that, and, and they all knew they expected a little ramp up in uh, – in competition level, but I don't think anybody expected last night to happen, you know, especially the way that the game started. You know, Nebraska was able to get up and down the floor, hit a couple of threes early, and, and you thought, okay, here we go. This is what it's supposed to look like. Um, now when I when I said there are going to be stretches that, that this team's going to look really good and stretches where the team's not going to look so good, I didn't expect the not-so-good part to last 34 minutes of game action, uh, but the Huskers just could never – pull it together after that first flurry and 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 it, it was a little bit of everything it was rebounding it was missed shots it was uh too aggressive of closeouts on shooters that allowed dribble drives it was uh, too much sagging lack of rotation it was bad foul shooting and you know i think you have to give uc riverside a little bit of credit too greg uh you know the, well, the one thing that they took away from nebraska was the transition game and, and that's a worry of mine, you know, how, how much our team's just going to focus on on a missed shot, just sprinting back on defense and taking away Nebraska in transition because the Highlanders did that last night and Nebraska had a hard time 
in the half court, uh, knocking down shots and running good offense. So uh, of all the concerning things, Nebraska's not going to shoot that bad every night. They're not going to miss that many free throws. So you hope the defensive effort gets better. But one thing that does concern me is if teams are able to get back in the half court and slow Nebraska down, what does that do to their offense? That's really the biggest concern to me. Huskers go 6-26 of from behind the line, uh, only 9 of 19 from the free throw line. Nebraska led men at 1.19 to 10. Huskers hit six of their first seven shots and then went on that 3-for-20 stretch. So you're up 19-10, to and then kind of really from that moment to the end of the game, it just came unplugged. Uh, for Nebraska and UC Riverside, a team that did not have much success a year ago, had a very short bench. They only, I think, I think they only dressed nine guys. Does that sound right? Nine guys last night in the game, and and they come into to PBA. They out rebound the Huskers by twenty. Um, you know, I, I I guess I knew that there were going to be stretches. It was going to be tough. I guess I just I wasn't prepared wasn't prepared for that last night. Now I understand game one. It's only one game. I'm with you. I think Nebraska's going to have games where they make a lot of shots and they're going to look a lot different than that. But, boy, uh, this this will be a, this will be an early challenge in the tenure of Fred Hoiberg and this staff to to pick this team up off the deck and get them ready for a game on Saturday. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to get miles and miles tougher than what they saw last night. And, and I guess the other lingering concern that I have is something that Coach Hoiberg has talked about uh, with us and with with the media and you know even back in Italy you know what happens when this team gets hit in the mouth um, you know they, they haven't really shown the resolve just yet and I think last night's case in point you know as soon as things got bad they never got better so that that's something that needs to change and you know I know Doc Sadler is going to be very upset with the defensive effort last night as well there's just there's really only what one way to go uh, only one direction to go after last night and that's up well, certainly hope so. Huskers only get a couple of days to kind of shake this one off. They're back in action on Saturday against Southern Utah. It's a 1 o'clock afternoon game. No Husker football on Saturday. So the basketball team takes center stage at PBA again, 1 o'clock on Saturday against Southern Utah. Last night was the first of four straight at home before the Big Red will travel to the Cayman Islands for a tournament later on in the month. So disappointing. If you have some thoughts about what you saw last night at PBA, love to hear your thoughts at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Mention that we'll have here in a couple minutes a practice report with comments from the head coach, Scott Frost. The first bye week that came after the Minnesota game, Nebraska did not make anybody available during that week for uh, comments. They did this week. They, They had the head coach come out today after their practice today. And I think that I think that was wise, Ben, for Nebraska to to run the head coach out midweek here. Uh, certainly, the way the game ended Saturday, the disappointment of that loss, dropping be below five hundred for Nebraska for the first time this year at four and five. Certainly, it's made it it's made it uncomfortable around the state this week. It's been a lot of negativity about this football team and the program after the loss on Purdue. I think it was probably wise for the head coach to step out today and and uh, just talk about where things are right now as they have still three games left to play. I think a status report probably isn't the worst thing right now, um, and and you know just just for him to a chance to go, you know clear the air on some things and and just you know speak of the status of the team because i think i mean we certainly know and i think he knows that that fans are there are a lot of unanswered questions right now and and something that uh 
you know, we're, it's going to be eager to everyone's eager to see how this thing's going to finish and how, you know, the, the, the status of the team is changing these last three weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it was a, a calculated but a, a smart move, you know, for Coach Ross to just come out and and uh, and give an update on what's going on. You know, one of the things he said today, we, we may hear it in one of the clips coming up here in a little bit, is that he felt like the guys had a good had, had fun at practice today, and may, maybe they need to in, in, interject some fun to this things because so, sometimes when you're maybe not not clowning around, that's too strong, but but having fun, having some joy in the sport again, maybe that'll make that'll let you play a little looser, a little freer. Um, I, to me, that team seemed tight a little bit at times on Saturday. You were down on the sideline. You got a better look at their faces and their body language. But I was around them earlier that day when they were having breakfast, and I, I, I kind of sensed a, a thickness to the air, a tightness to this team a little bit. So maybe, maybe they need to interject some, some looseness to this football team with three games to go. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're, just, if you're continuously just showing up to, to practice and – you know, it's becoming a chore. You're hearing the same thing over and over again. You're doing the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, that can be really difficult. That can be something that, uh, you know, takes away from the quality of the reps of practice. So, yeah, I think, you know, a little fun's always a good thing, especially in difficult times like these. And, and especially for those those seniors, you know, they've got three games left. The season's been a, you know, borderline disaster to this point. And, and Darian Daniels told me that after the game in the locker room show. You know, I was like, what do, what do you want out of these next three games? He goes, I just want to enjoy it. I, I want to go out. I want to have fun. I want to play with my brother and blood brother and my uh, teammate brothers and, and just and go make the most of what's left of the opportunity. And I, and I think that's, that's a good approach to have, especially for those older guys and those seniors. And, you know, this team certainly it, it's, they're going to have to win two of the last three to get bowl eligible. It's not going to be easy. It's not impossible. Uh, I think that you look at, the, at the, particularly the last two losses for Nebraska, um, a loss to Indiana by seven, the loss by four to Purdue, certainly games that Nebraska had the ability to win. We've been talking around the office the last couple of days, Ben, that you look back at the first nine games for this season, three of the five losses, Nebraska had double-digit leads, two-score leads. They were up 17-0 on Colorado. Can't finish the deal. They're up 14-3 on Indiana. Can't finish the deal. They're up 10-0 on Saturday against Purdue. Can't finish the deal. If you flip one, two, or all three of those games, this thing looks different. But they didn't do it. They're still trying to figure out ways to win, and that's up to the coaches to make that happen, to figure out the, the best way to get this team to, to make the winning plays a time or two in one of those, two of those, all three of those games. And we, we're having a lot different conversations right now if that would have happened. Yeah, I mean, those losses are, are ones that we're going to talk about all off season, And, you know, when we go back and watch the games this summer, it's going to be really difficult to do. You look at each one of those games individually and the circumstances that, that presented themselves and, you know, literally just a handful of plays here and there uh, could could have completely changed this season. Can't do that, obviously, and the season is what it is at this point. But, you know, I think definitely uh, a lot of what could have been are, are going to be talked about and, and said here this off season and, I mean, the coaches can approach that a couple of different ways. You know, guy about explaining to the guys that this is what you're not doing and 
we got to do this, this, and this better, or, you know, come out with the approach of this is how close we are. And, and I think that's probably the, the better approach to take when you're talking to, you know, young college kids. And, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of see how they take it and, and how they embrace these last three games. The old would have, could have, should have. Uh, for Husker football during the first nine games. All right, that's what we're dealing with here on the program tonight. If you want to be a part of it, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Let's start with a phone call. Let's go to Ashland and Joe. Good evening, Joe. Welcome to Sports Nightly. Thank you for having me. I was just curious in regards to uh, the bull eligibility talk. If Let's say, you know, playing devil's advocate, obviously I'd like to see Nebraska win two out of the three or, you know, all three or even one out of three. Um, you know, I feel like Maryland is, is a winnable game, but, you know, we've seen this team struggle with games that, you know, fans thought were winnable, Indiana, Purdue, et cetera. But I was just curious to know if they do um, win one out of the next three and end up with five wins, um, or get to five wins, and there aren't enough bull-eligible six-win teams. I know in the past that teams like that have been offered bull opportunities if they feel like their fans would travel well, which we know Nebraska fans will travel across the country to attend a bull game. If that does become a you know truth and is a possibility, do you think Nebraska would accept that bull opportunity even with only five wins? And then also, secondly, um, do we know any projections as far as if that even could become a possibility with there not being enough bowl-eligible six-win teams? So just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Hi, Joe. Thanks. Ben is our resident bowl tracker. You've been doing this for years now. Unfortunately, it's been a, it's been a case for Nebraska. I, I haven't even looked at that. Have you looked at that at all? I haven't. Uh, I'm going to wait till they get to five wins to even do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've done that the last couple of years, and it's quite the project. And you know, last year it was never really close. There were there were plenty of teams, and, and the year before that, it, it was the opposite. There there wasn't even anywhere close to the amount of bull teams that there needed to be. So, you know, there will be some variation. And yeah, you know, once we get to five, we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll take a look and, and see where we're at. Joe, appreciate the call. Here's what we'll do. Joe, Brett's such good at this. We'll have Brett go back and. Uh, add up the teams that are already bowl eligible. I think there's 40 bowl games. He need 80 teams. We'll have Brett during one of the next breaks go back and add up all the teams that are already there and see how close we are to 80 teams uh, with still three, four weeks left to go in the regular season. Time for us to now jump into today's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. And our practice report brought to you by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your roof. Call JTEC, the official exterior experts of the Huskers, for a free estimate. JTEC Construction's a family-owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha, and Grand Island. The head football coach was made available today to talk to the media. They did practice yesterday and today, and Scott Frost met with the media for 8 to 10 minutes after practice today. He was asked about if this bye week is being treated any differently than the one they had three weeks ago. It's been pretty similar. Um, We shortened practice up just a little bit yesterday and today but we practiced yesterday today a lot of the coaches are out on the road we're gonna have one more practice friday and uh, give the guys some time off to get ready for wisconsin well the huskers 
were kind of a Jekyll and Hyde on defense on Saturday in the loss to Purdue. Very good at moments. They shut down Purdue in the first quarter, build a 10-0 lead, and then it was two back-to-back long drives in the second the second quarter, and then the defense kind of locked in Purdue in the third period, only gave up a field goal, but then couldn't get the breaks on the Boilermakers the last couple of times they had the ball when Nebraska had taken a lead. Scott Frost was asked about what changed defensively for this team on Saturday. You know, we watched and poured over that thing. That There was times when the defense played really well. There were some serious breakdowns in coverage uh, that I think needed to be addressed um, on the coaching staff and on the team. In that game, um, we gave up too many easy things, and and there's simple things we can do to fix that. Um, but that's kind of been the story: is, is we can't seem to, as a team, play great at the same time. The defense played played well, and special teams played well, and put offense in position to have 20 or 30 points at halftime. And um, offense didn't do it. And you know, then the offense rallies and gets us two leads in the fourth quarter, and, and the defense gave up four drives at the end of the first half and second half. Uh, so it, we got to put it all together. Uh, when this thing turns, it's really going to turn. But um, we got to play more complete game as a team. What do you make of that, Ben? The defense had, I think, six times they, they held Purdue without even a first down on drives, and yet when they needed to get stops, they couldn't. I think that fits kind of exactly what we were talking about earlier this week on Monday talking about the game is, you know, there there are both really good and, and really poor things that happen. And unfortunately, the, the bad things uh, outweigh the, the good things, especially at the times, right? Coach Frost said, you know, they're at the end of the game and, and at the end of the first half, they allow four touchdown drives. That's the case. That can't happen. But, you know, I think, you know, overall, it makes a lot of sense what he's saying. Um, and, I, and I completely agree. It, it hasn't been very often, if ever, that this team's been clicking on all cylinders at the same time. Well, this we're about to hit this part of the schedule where you're going to face some really physical football teams. Wisconsin is next. Then you play Maryland. And then you end it with Iowa, another very physical football team. Nebraska didn't hold up real well last year against these real physical teams. The coach was asked today if he feels like they're better prepared this year to do that. You know, I think in a lot of areas we've made a ton of progress. Uh, there's some other areas I'm not satisfied with where it is. Um, you know, I, I don't want to pick two teams in this league out and say they're physical. This whole league's physical. Uh, so we got a lot of respect for the guys that we're getting ready to play in the, in the next few weeks. Um, I think we're, we're a stronger team than we were. Uh, we still need more depth uh, in a few things of that nature. but. Uh, and, and, you know, when injuries pop up and you don't have the depth, it, it really starts to, to limit you a little bit. But our, our guys are excited and, and they're fighting. And, um, you know, we've had some unit meetings, whole offense and whole defense, to kind of show some of the little things that are holding them back right now. And uh, we got to get them addressed. I'll ask you, Ben, do you think Nebraska's better prepared to face these physical teams down the stretch? I certainly don't think they're in, in worse shape. Um, I mean, I think there was only one, one way to go after last year. I think overall Nebraska was playing better at this time of the year last year but in terms of you know just being physical physically ready uh, and physically capable of, of handling these types of teams I think you know probably that they are in, in, in a better spot now than than what they were and I think it's it's time to unleash Keem Green I think this is where we're going to start to see you know him come in and get involved and, and see what he can add to this defensive line 
uh, not only for the end of this year, but but for next year as well when he's when he's officially turned loose. He's played one game, so he would have three to play. He can play in all three regular season games. If you made postseason, you might have to sit him out for a bowl game, but I think you worry about that at that point in time. So, yeah, I think it's a good, good bet that we'll see Keem Green playing in the next game along that offensive line. Huskers 4-5, and five, so under 500 for the first time now, pretty deep into the season, new nine games. The coach was asked if the struggles on the field the last couple of weeks have affected recruiting at all. No. Um, people see where this is going, and we're not going to lose sight of that. Um, this group has, has done an unbelievable job getting a program turned. You know, it's certainly not happening as fast as I want it to, uh, but we're going to get it done. Uh, that's why I'm here. Um, knew this this thing wasn't in great shape when we took over, and we knew we had a lot of things to fix. Um, we're in the process of doing that. Uh, you know, the exciting thing is we got a lot of really good young players on this team. Um, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for recruits to come in and, and try to make an impact early, and um, that vision and, and opportunity is going to help us in, on the recruiting trail a lot. And as the head coach mentioned earlier, a lot of the coaches starting to head out tomorrow and Friday to go out and visit some high schools and go take in some games the next couple of days. A lot of work to be done. We're only about seven weeks away from that signing period in December. So uh, you're coming down the stretch. It looks like they're about halfway through the recruiting class at this point in time, but still a lot of boxes to check with the recruiting class for 2020. Um, all right, we talked about the defense and how they were kind of hit and miss against Purdue. How about the, the quarterback? How about Adrian Martinez's plays, his up and down play against Purdue on Saturday? No, we, we missed some things offensively that we shouldn't have missed. Some of that was on the quarterback position. Some of it wasn't. Um, you know, I think we we did well enough there at times. Um, there was there was times in when we were struggling a little bit, and quarterback was part of that. And then we'd put a couple drives together, and and he made some fantastic plays too. So it just needs to be a little more consistent. Ben, you you certainly study Adrian a lot. You've had a lot of sit down conversations with him. What do you see when you look out and watch him play right now? I think uh, this is this is not something that he expected, you know, to come in and, and struggle as much as he did. There was just so much offseason hype around this young man. Talks of a Heisman, all-conference, uh, you know, best quarterback that Nebraska's ever had, you know, all these types of things, and, and that can affect everybody. I think this is this has caught him by surprise. I think it's certainly affected his play, you know, in a sense that, you know, he's pressing – He's um, not really making the reads uh, fast enough. He's he seems hesitant at times. Uh, he's he's missing throws that that he, he didn't miss at all last year, and you know maybe even other guys on the team wouldn't be missing. Um, and, and it certainly affected him. And and this this is going to be a big off season for him, and, and how he takes it. And you know these these sophomore slumps um, happen, and for as much as I know about him, you know, he's going to handle it with as much um, poise and and, um, and grace and, you know, how, how he should handle it, take this adversity as, as a positive. Um, you know, we talk about all the time how there's a lot of things that's happened to him in his life that are bigger than football, and I think, you know, this is going to be a, certainly a learning experience for him too 
and I, I'm anxious to see how how the, the rest of his career unfolds. And you know, who knows? Maybe at this time next year, we're we're laughing about you know what what type of Adrian Martinez we we saw last year. He he did give you some time after the game. He was part of your locker room show on Saturday. Um, was he any different, or was it kind of the same old Adrian when you talked to him after the game? I think I think it is starting to wear on him a little bit. Um, you know, it's just it's it's extremely hard to be so positive all the time and be you know the source of of the encouragement to your teammates when when you're not playing as well as you want to week after week and then of course with adrian coming off the injury it's obviously a a difficult thing to uh to to be dealing with that but yeah I i think i think it's wearing on him but it's certainly not affecting the way that he interacts with me or his coaches or his teammates or anybody else he's still he's still the same adrian but um you can tell it's a little he's got a little different way about him right now just just because of the uh uh, uh the accumulation of the season and and everything that's happened to him with the injury and and obviously the amount of losses that have stacked up as well he, you mentioned the injury he missed two games did not play at minnesota didn't play against indiana so that was his first appearance in about a month Luke McCaffrey did not dress for the game. He wasn't even an option for Nebraska on Saturday. Noah Vedrill started a couple of games, came out of a game against Indiana with an injury. The head coach was asked about the challenges of trying to navigate through all these injuries at that quarterback spot. Yeah, there's been a a lot of challenges. Um, But overall, you know, the quarterbacks have have played well enough for us to win. We got to get better around them. Uh, We got to give them a little more time so they're more comfortable staying in the pocket. Um, we got to get some more weapons in the program, and, and the guys we have on the field uh, need to be in the right spots so the quarterback can trust them there. And um, you know, everybody always looks at the quarterback, and there, there's been some good and bad there. And, and certainly, having guys nicked up hasn't helped. But uh, we're going to continue to get better around them. Well, we mentioned earlier in our practice report Keem, the name Keem Green, who's only played in one game this year. Nebraska would like to be able to redshirt him. They'd like to be able to redshirt a good chunk of this freshman class for Nebraska. Uh, the coach was asked today if they've considered it all burning some red shirts as they come down the stretch of this season. No, I mean, we're going to try to use as many guys as we can without wasting a year. And if guys were going to get limited reps, it doesn't make any sense to, to play them 30 snaps all year and um, have that be one of the years of eligibility. So we got to look out for the team, number one, but also for those guys' well-being. And just burning a year to, to play a few snaps here and there doesn't make sense. But if, if we have games left with them, we'll try. I, and, Ben, I think that's wise. I think you have to have big-picture thoughts here that you're thinking about the future of the program. And, and guys that are 18 years old now would be much better football players at age 22 if you can save a year for them, get their feet wet, but don't burn those. And to me, if they started burning a bunch of red shirts and playing guys more than their four games, that would, that would be kind of a sign of panic to me. And I don't want to see that right now. Yeah, and I think it would be doing the the kids a massive disservice as well. Uh, you know, I think that's something that is probably going to be talked about with this staff, the what the handling of of some players in particular of of the amount of snaps. And I think, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty on how you handle those things. But I think maybe they would have chose to do something di- some things different in terms of substitutions or amount of snaps that they're playing these guys, especially at this time of the year. Uh, but but I think that's the message. You know, if you're dealing with a particular player that's upset, that's played in two or three games already, and, and the amount of reps or um, snaps that they've gotten on the field hasn't been, you know, very good at all, then 
that that's that's the key is to make sure they understand. Look, we we know this year hasn't been uh, what would what, what hoped for you, and and certainly you know we're we're not uh, in a position to where we feel comfortable with the amount of snaps that you played, and that's on us. But we also want you to to come back and have a full full four years of eligibility, and don't want you know three or four games determine you know an entire season for you if 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 the, that play total only equals seven eight to ten or whatever it is and finally now that the oscars are sitting at four and five and and, and now cannot win the division which is certainly one of your goals as a team to win the division get yourself to a big 10 title game the coach was asked about those goals and if they've changed you know, our goal is the same as it's always going to be. We we got to get better, and I thought they they practiced spirit with spirit today, had fun out there today, and um, our goal is not going to change. Um, we got a lot of ground yet to cover, uh, a lot of things to fix, but that's where our mind's going to be. So there you go. Comments from the head coach after practice today are only availability with any of the coaches throughout the week. That is our JTEC practice report. We do want to tell you that tomorrow night during our Nebraska football radio hour, what a treat. We're going to have head strength and conditioning coach Zach Duvall in studio for an hour. So a lot to talk about with him. He does new interviews, so this will be a real rarity to have Coach Duvall in studio tomorrow night for an hour. Let's start the hour with the Blitz. The Big Ten Blitz, Iowa. Let's talk Hawkeyes, and none better to do that than Mark Morehouse of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Iowa set to travel to Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin, a huge matchup in the Big Ten West. Hawkeyes coming off of a bye week. Mark, what was kind of the uh, what was kind of the to do list for Iowa football in the last two weeks? Oh, I, I think probably see if they can trot out uh, a representative running game at Wisconsin and. Uh, Man, this year it's really been a blank, especially on the road against, uh, uh, well, on the, just on the road, I think Iowa right now is averaging 78 yards a game, 2.2 yards a carry. And that's not going to get it done in Camp Randall, not even close. So uh, I'm, having a, I'm trying to cut a path to victory for Iowa right now. I think it's going to have to come through the air, and I, I think uh, they're going to have to control Wisconsin's uh, uh, rush, which has been difficult. I mean, Forget everything, you know, this, it was 38-7 at, at Ohio State, but Wisconsin still had five sacks. So I, I'm having a hard time seeing Iowa come through this one, but uh, this is the Big Ten West, and, you know, line of scrimmage football can go 50-50 sometimes. One guy's misaligned, and who knows. But uh, right now, I I think I, I like Iowa's chances better against Minnesota than I do against Wisconsin. Well, the Badgers can't be the most confident bunch. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ohio State's great. I think we've all kind of learned that over the last two months. <laughs> but, but the Illinois loss certainly gets your attention for a Badger team that looked um, maybe unbeatable even uh, three or four weeks ago. Now they kind of do a little bit. I think that would have to spur the Hawkeyes on some. I think that that and the fact that uh, Iowa's lost three straight to Wisconsin. Uh, I think it's six out of the last seven uh, and eight of the last 11. So if Iowa loses one more of these, I think it's safe to say that Wisconsin's kind of getting away from them. Uh, I think that's motivation. I think another motivation is the fact that, yeah, if Iowa wins its next four games, I would say I was probably going to be favored in maybe, well, they're not favored in Madison, maybe three out of those four games. Minnesota hasn't won in Kinnick since 1999, so... Uh, we'll see what happens in Minnesota this week. But four games, if I win four games, it gets to Indy. Uh, I think that's pretty big motivation for this team, these players. Uh, I think Iowa has a defense that can get it there. 
I just look at this running game and I and, and what's left of the passing game after Brandon Smith, wide receiver, uh, anyway, one of their better players. He suffered a, an ankle injury against Purdue and hasn't been back. Probably won't be back until maybe Illinois uh, on the 23rd of, October, of November. So I just don't know if Iowa has the firepower against Madison. Uh, Wisconsin, though, Cone is, yeah, he's okay. Uh, I think this defense is a little bit, little bit soft in the middle, just because inexperience in middle linebacker or in the, in the inside linebacker spot. But man, you really can't argue with uh, what the Badgers have done on defense. And Greg, I really think uh, Jim Leonard's probably going to be one of your hot coaching candidates in the next couple of years. Nope, totally agree. All right, Mark. Bye weeks usually are good for self-reflection, for maybe adding a few wrinkles to a game plan. They're also good to heal some people up. Give me a, a health status for the Hawkeyes currently. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I will probably be missing uh, middle linebacker Christian Welch in this game, which puts redshirt freshman uh, Dylan Doyle in the middle. Uh, that's, I, I worry about that one against Jonathan Taylor. Uh, tight end Nate Weeding is also going to be out for this game, but I kind of like what I what Iowa show, got out of uh, true freshman Sam Laporte on the road against Northwestern, caught a couple passes for 40 yards. Uh, Nice-looking vertical threat. So that could be a plus-minus given that you know Weeding is a really good blocker. Um, but Brandon Smith, he, he remains out, and that's probably Iowa's, that is Iowa's biggest injury right now. Before he went out against Purdue, six ca- uh, career high nine catches, hundred career high 102 yards, 106 yards. I'm sorry, uh, he, was, he was having literally having a career day before his ankle went out. Um, wrinkles, I wonder about that too this week. And Iowa showed a couple of protection schemes against Northwestern that I really like. That I think were look an awful lot like what Wisconsin does. Uh, a couple of almost protectors on Stanley's either side and if they don't get a blitz they go out for a pass kind of like that and it, it, it worked on a big fourth down against Northwestern I could think you could see maybe more of that I also think you'll probably see more ways uh, for Iowa's offense to try to get Tyler freshman running back Tyler gets in the ball he's been electric when he's been allowed to be electric this year and uh uh, they're going to need every bit of that against Wisconsin. Iowa at Wisconsin, 3 o'clock on Saturday on Big Fox. Mark Morehouse of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. As always, Mark, we appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Minnesota. And to talk about the Gophers, Andy Greeter, the St. Paul Pioneer Press. The Gophers have a, an undefeated matchup with Penn State coming up on Saturday. Before we dive into the nuts and bolts of that, Andy, the big news this week in the Twin Cities was the contract extension to P.J. Fleck. Had this been something in the works, or do you think the Florida State opening maybe pushed this thing along a little bit? Uh, you know, it had been in the works, um, you know, uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, and I do think that uh, – uh, his name credibly uh, surfacing uh, at, in Tallahassee uh, probably pushed this along a little bit, but I do think it was going to be coming either way. He had gotten one-year rollover extensions in his first two years, and just given the success that he had this year and the fact that you know he was coming up on, on four years left on his deal and how college coaches want to have five to be able to tell recruits they're going to be there their entire time, something was going to get done. Uh, but the, the success and his name coming up at Florida State uh, certainly played a role in getting it done now. All right, this game Saturday with Penn State. A lot of people thought maybe game day would be there. They're going to go down to Tuscaloosa to be for the Bama-LSU game. But this certainly was one that had to be on their radar screen. This would be the biggest gopher home game since when, Andy? I mean, maybe the last 50 years? Uh, you know what? It's, th- there have been some big ones, uh, you know, probably in the last – I mean – the last couple of years, um, there have been some big ones, but nothing 
uh, that, that features two, you know, top 17 teams in the college football playoff. Uh, yeah, so this is the biggest game in decades uh, when you look at just overall rankings and, and the matchup and the magnitude and how both of these teams are undefeated. Well, you give coaches a, a week off, and there could be some kind of a lot of trick plays added on both sides. Do you anticipate Coach Fleck maybe adding a few wrinkles for this one for Saturday? Uh, you know what? Uh, offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka said that you know they're going to uh, come at uh, the Nittany Lions with the same stuff that they've been doing all year, the same stuff that has been successful. They're not a very, uh, you know, kind of trick play uh, accented team. Uh, so I'd imagine that it's going to be a lot of the same type of things. They might try to exploit, you know, certain matchups that have different wrinkles for things, but I wouldn't imagine a lot of a lot of trick plays. But, you know, Penn State, same amount of time as, as the Gophers have had. So is there any sort of advantage there uh, is negated just by the fact that they both had next week to prepare. It's been, I think, three years since they played. The last time they played, I think, it was an overtime game. How do you think this thing's going to lay out on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Penn State's uh, defense, especially their rush defense, is one of the best in the country. And uh, we've seen that week over week. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a challenge for the Gophers because they want to be able to establish the run. That's something that they that has led them out of five straight wins in Big Ten play. And I think that's going to be challenging for the Gophers. Uh, if there is an opportunity for Minnesota, I would imagine it's through the air. Tanner Morgan uh, has been really good. This season, very efficient, and he's got two wide receiving options, and Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, who can make plays. So if there is an opportunity, I'd imagine it, it comes in the passing game. You know, the Gophers are a touchdown underdog, and I think they're going to need some, you know, probably plus two in the turnover margin and some big plays to be able to pull out a win on Saturday. How, how do you feel like Minnesota's defense matches up with, with Penn State offensively? You know, they've, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty sound. You know, they've limited big plays, uh, and that's what Penn State has been able to do uh, this year is create big plays. They've got a lot of speedsters and Journey Brown and you know, K.J. Hamler. Uh, those guys can take the top off of defense uh, often, and uh, you know they, but the Gophers haven't limited, have limited those types of plays all year, um, but I'd imagine that they're going to be able to break free uh, a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Gophers have a, have a senior bowl uh, caliber linebacker in, in Kamal Martin, who has been, you know, one of their best defenders all year. He's been limited by a knee injury. Uh, he's been given kind of a game time decision label. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to play, but the Gophers' chances are a lot better when he's on the field. How hot? How hot a ticket is it going to be to get in the in the building on Saturday? Well, I think it's, it's you know the, the Gophers have struggled with attendance over the years uh, in some of the scholarships the seat license agreements that they've put on tickets and they've tried to roll those back a little bit and, and the tennis has suffered but it sounds like it's going to be a, a hot ticket a, a sellout um I, I saw some friends of mine who were kind of bristling at some of the ticket prices and <laughs> you know this is all kind of relative uh for minneapolis in a 50,000 seat stadium and you know kind of cheaper seats going for 65 bucks and having people bristle at that so it's all it's all relative uh, but when it's relative here, uh, it, is a, it is a hotter ticket than other ones. Gophers will host the number four team in the college football playoff poll, Penn State, on Saturday, 11 a.m. on ABC. Andy Greeter, the St. Paul Pioneer Press, with us tonight. Andy, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, thanks for your time, guys. 
We're about ready to hand it off to Husker Volleyball. John Bader, Lauren Cook-West getting set out at the Devaney Center. Nebraska back in action after that thrilling five-set victory over Penn State Saturday night. Northwestern, team north, north the, to the bottom part of the uh, conference uh, at the Devaney Center tonight. But, again, Husker Volleyball, so fun to watch and follow. We'll be listening tonight with John Cook or John Bader and Lauren Cook-West on the call. want to thank... Ben, Josh, Brett, and everybody for being a part of this one. Again, congrats to Holly and Grand Island, the winner of our Nebraska Lottery Big Red Replay Contest tonight. Full show coming your way tomorrow night. Look forward to that, including an hour with Zach Duvall, Husker strength and conditioning coach. We'll look forward to that conversation tomorrow night. Enjoy the volleyball match coming up next here on the Husker Sports Network.